Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the best college football pick and pod in the land. We come to you, as always, from BellyUpSports.com. He is Alan Denton. I am Thomas Black, and we are here for an ATS pick and pod with only two weeks remaining in the regular season contest. Do not worry. There's more to come. We've got bowl season ahead of us, but Alan Denton, welcome back in from afar. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Traveling for Thanksgiving, but always down for uh, talking some football. We talk some football, and of course, as we always do, we look at the leaderboard where atop the ATS Pick'em, we have William, who leads the way for $175, as he has for about half the season now. He has 70 wins on the year and has a cushion. But in second place is someone by the name of Thomas Black, who has 67 wins and heads the pack for $75, or as we do here on the show, when you are a team member, you win when we win. So that $75 plus a blackout t-shirt would be going to our team members, our walk-on Jorge, plus our team captains. In third place, we have William, who has 66 wins on the season, and he leads the way for $25 plus a blackout t-shirt as well. So Alan, some cool prizes up for grabs, some changes in the leaderboard that we're looking at right now, and definitely some tough competition up at the top. And certainly, For William's case, our leader, William, he has seen his lead trimmed, which we'll get to a little bit more in just a moment. Yeah, but anytime you've led for that extended of a time, I mean, you've done some things that are really, really impressive. And kudos to you, man. You've surged just like you wanted to. And now with a nice grip on second place, that's got to feel good. It does certainly feel good. I came away with the week that I absolutely needed. And... We've been talking about for weeks now that we were all kind of playing for second or third place, and that still could be true. But with the week I had and the way that I climbed the leaderboard as aggressively as I did in week 11, I now have a shot at the top spot. And I'm going to have to play really, really well in our final two weeks to be able to claim a spot up there at the top. But I am within reach of the top spot right now. And it's just going to mean that I need to be on top of my game all the more. But it's a chance for someone like William to tune into the show and defend my picks if he wants to. He can pick the same way and kind of block me out of that spot. Because as we've talked about many times, there's a lot of different ways you can use the content that we give out here on the show. Of course, you can follow our lead if we're up at the top of the leaderboard. If you think we're on top of our stuff, you can kind of just go along with us and ride the wave of momentum up toward the top. If you're leading us, you can block us. If you're trailing right behind us, you can kind of flip some of your picks and get an angle on a chance to catch us or pass us. So there's definitely a lot of ways to use the content we put out here on the show. Sure is. 
All right, Alan, let's look at our picks from a week ago. In week 12, you went 3-7 and seven in the ATS Pick'em. You dropped to 15th from 11th, so you are now further away from the top 10 than you were before. You are 59-60, and 60, just under 500 against the spread on the season. So how are you feeling looking back on the week that was? And as we move into the final two weeks, what are your thoughts overall? Yeah, I went 0-2 in my locks, and... The first one being Miami against Louisville. I had them plus the points, plus one and a half. And you know what? Yeah, I ended up wrong on that. But also, frick, I was close. (laughs) You know, it took some weird turns. It ended up being a seven-point game. But it was right at being a toss-up type of game. Miami was right there. And then Kansas State. This was a lock party that we have that was broken. It took Kansas State some fortuitous plays even to win that game, which was incredibly surprising given the fact that Ballard was the quarterback that played. They just didn't look good. Well, Howard had a couple of turnovers. It shocked me how poorly they came out then really badly missed on some of the games like Utah that totally whiffed had Oregon state, which, you know, really tight. And then Texas just flipped the other way with a 10 point game instead of something like a 7.1. So yeah, three and seven, but I'm two plays away from being five and five. You already detailed the fact that you were one half of a lock party loss with the Kansas state pick minus the points. That was with me as well. You ended up losing the pick on Miami. That was a lock-block situation where you went versus Zane over on that side. He took Louisville minus the points. And then when you look at the confidence value side, you already talked about your pick with Utah in an upset pick against Arizona that did not go your way. But you also gave out some loss insurance for SMU, dropping them in confidence value down to a mid-level pick at the highest and that would have encouraged people to take Memphis plus seven and a half points, which was absolutely the right play. So you and I, and all of us as a threesome, you, me, and Zane, we all had a little bit of a down week after a series of weeks where we really gave out a lot of strong picks on the show. But still, you're talking about some toss-up games that went the other way. You're talking about getting a Memphis pick plus seven and a half points right that you gave out on the confidence pick em pod. So really, even though it was, for the most part, some tight losses, it really was a challenging week and one where I think you have to nod your head to the system a little bit because it was a tough week to pick. And I think you had good rationale on everything you said. It's just we didn't have things quite far away in some of these scenarios. Yeah, the only downright bad pick once it played out was Utah. And maybe other people saw that coming, but them being up 28 to nothing, basically one play into the second quarter, I would have never seen coming. And after that thrashing at the putt block and those types of things, that game is essentially a coin flip type of thing, but the game was over by that point, so it didn't matter. Yes, very, very true. When you look at my week 12, man, I had maybe my best pick and week of the entire season. Okay. I went 7-3 and three against the spread. That vaulted me up, as we've already talked about, to second place. I was in fourth a week ago. I am now 67-53 and 53 against the spread on the season, so 14 games over 500 there. My locks 
were a little bit of a mixed bag. Of course, we've already detailed I was the second half of a lock party loss with Kansas State minus 7.5 points against Kansas. And you're exactly right, Alan. When you talk about this one, we talked about the fact that we thought Jason Bean was going to be playing for Kansas. That didn't happen. If you told me before kickoff that Cole Ballard was starting at quarterback, I all day would have picked the Wildcats minus the seven and a half points. But after watching the game, there is no way that we were on the right side of that one. Of course, Kansas was the right side. And even though Kansas State wins the game, there was still a chance late for the Wildcats to cover. Now, they just ran out the clock instead of looking to get another score, but it kind of got close where Kansas State could have covered. But even if they had, I'd still be saying Kansas was the right side in this one. And a credit to Lance Leipold for what he does, because being down to his third-string quarterback and coming up with a game plan that was successful and nearly brought the Jayhawks out on top with a victory was very, very impressive. And then on the other side of my ATS locks, I won a lock-block battle with Zane. I took Clemson minus 6.5 points against North Carolina. When they win that game by 11, of course, my lock looks pretty good. My lock-block record versus Zane now 2-1 and one over this season looks pretty good. But after watching the game, I frankly would probably side with North Carolina plus 6.5 points if I got the opportunity to do this again. They had more success offensively than I thought they would against Clemson, and really only scoring 20 points I think was more a factor of their turnovers, especially early in this game. A couple of turnovers down inside the Clemson 10-yard line with opportunities to score that could have given a different result in this game, both straight up and certainly against the spread if those things had gone the other way. So really, I think if you were on North Carolina, I would take solace in the fact that I think the game played out largely in the favor of people who picked North Carolina to win this game. But of course, I got the lock right, so I'll take it. And then when you look at my confidence value plays, I did take Oregon State at a higher level than was encouraged by the spread, even as a small favorite. That went against me. But Oregon State shut down Washington in the second half. They outgained Washington in this game, and it was turnovers that got in the way of me getting this one right. So in a two-point loss, in a game that was kind of coin flippy, and even when Washington got out to a couple-score lead midway through this game, I still feel like my pick was well-intended and had me in a good spot because the Beavers had opportunities to win this game late, and they just didn't put it away. So I'll take the loss. I don't know that I'd play it again the same way, but I don't think you can clearly say that I was on the wrong side with that one. And then when you look at UNLV getting a win on the road at Air Force, this one was a little dicey, but my pick giving out for UNLV in the upset did come through. And of course, that would have encouraged people also to take UNLV plus three and a half points. And the Rebels got down pretty big in this game. They battled back, and then they had to have kind of a red zone stand there at the end to be able to hang on for the win. But that one certainly was well intended for me. So Allen's already taken credit for one of the losses with Kansas State, minus seven and a half points. Amongst my other confidence value plays and my ATS lock block, with Clemson minus six and a half points, I led people to a two and one record with the picks that I gave out. And then we go and look at Zane's week. He went four and five in his picks as he failed to get one of his picks in. He dropped to 19th in the standings from 16th. He's 58 and 61 against the spread. And he had lock blocks all over the place. We've already documented those. He took the loss against me with North Carolina plus six and a half. He got the win versus Allen with Louisville minus one and a half. And then you look at his confidence value play. He sided with me as well in picking UNLV in an upset. So, Alan, when you look at everything we did, of course there's some variance here because 
There were a couple of lock blocks out there, but if you'd gone the wrong way with those, we might have led listeners to a 2-5 record against the spread. Not too pretty. But if you followed on the good side of things and followed with people who got the wins, then we led people to a 4-3 and three record. And again, in a tough week where there weren't a ton of winners out there, I think not a bad possibility there. And I did notice that we had a lot of paying subscribers who listened to these episodes who ended up in the 5-5 five and five and 6-4 and four range. So I feel pretty satisfied with the content we gave out. Even though there were some possible losing situations with some lock blocks, I think we ended up giving people enough insight into some of these matchups to have a good turnout with their week 12 slate. Yeah, very much so. Some of it just didn't land like it should have maybe, but most of those games were really tight down at the end. And at that point, what are you going to do? <laughs> sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Absolutely the case. Alan, if you're ready for it, let's go ahead and dive into our week 13 locks. Yeah, let's do it, man. All right, as we look back to last week, I am going back to the well for a play very similar to one I had last week where we have a rivalry game in the Palmetto State between the Clemson Tigers and the South Carolina Gamecocks where the homestanding Gamecocks are a a 7.5-point underdog to the Clemson Tigers. And because I'm going back to the well and we just discussed our picks, you're going to understand that I am going with Clemson minus seven and a half points. And I'm going to decide with the Clemson defense, the athletes that it has that are going to be coming after a one-dimensional offense and Spencer Rattler, who has been sacked 38 times this season, one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the entire country with an offensive line that struggles. You look at the South Carolina team that's had some tight wins as of late. Going back three weeks ago against Jacksonville State, they won 38-28 in kind of a high-scoring duel with one of the newcomers to the FBS. But if you look in a detailed manner at that game, the Gamecocks of Jacksonville State had a 31-28 deficit with two minutes to go in this game, and they had the ball at the South Carolina 17-yard line with a second and 12, and they threw an 88-yard pick six. That's the difference in this game that ended up being a 10-point margin for the South Carolina Gamecocks. Instead, you could have been looking at a situation where maybe Jacksonville State forces overtime with an easy field goal. Maybe they take the lead and win this game late with a touchdown instead. So they were very much on the verge of losing that one. Two weeks ago, they had a blowout win over Vanderbilt. I don't really care about that. Vanderbilt's the worst team in the SEC. Just about every team has had their way with the Commodores this season. And then you look at this past week with South Carolina's home win against Kentucky, where they won 17-14. It was Kentucky who outgained South Carolina by nearly 40 yards. And that was limited because Kentucky turned the ball over three times all around midfield or in South Carolina territory where that took points off the board. If those aren't happening, I think Kentucky wins this game on the road. And then you look at a Clemson offense that, again, I've talked about recently, has been moving, I think, in a good direction. Will Shipley and Phil Maffa, I think, should be able to have good success against this South Carolina defense that's been bad. I think you're looking at a passing game that should be able to have some success with Tyler Brown and Adam Randall. Jake Brennan's still at tight end. And then you have some question marks about the availability of Bo Collins and Antonio Williams. I think there's some possibility they could be available this week, but I don't think that's a guarantee. Either way, I think that Garrett Riley and this offense should have success against the South Carolina defense. So, Alan, I am locking up the Clemson Tigers minus seven and a half points this week. 
you know what? It's not a lock for me, but I will be on that side as well. Clemson has righted the ship after some rocky times. And <laughs> everyone in Clemson can thank Tyler from Spartanburg for helping right that ship and light a fire under them. They've been a different team since that point in time, obviously beating North Carolina last week and looking pretty good in that. So I will be very much on the same side as that, even though it's not a lock. It's very much the biggest spread initially on the board for a reason, in my opinion. Yeah, I think very much so. And we've seen Clemson in recent years be a much bigger favorite over South Carolina. And of course, last year we had kind of the fluky turnaround at the end of the season with South Carolina beating both Tennessee and Clemson. But there have been some allegations that have come out that South Carolina knew some play calls against Clemson for some very specific reasons and why they knew some play calls against Tennessee. So is that a reality? I don't exactly know, but something happened there at the end of the season and really went South Carolina's way. And I think last year's South Carolina team was better than this year's. And for Clemson, while Clemson's obviously been a worse team, I don't think they're that far off from what they were a year ago. I think they still have close to the same talent level, and I think they are moving in a good direction. I already mentioned Spencer Rattler, the amount of times he's been sacked this season, but they've got a very one-dimensional offense. They don't have much of a running game, and this is very much Rattler and Xavier Leggett in the passing game. Leggett has 65 receptions on the season for about 1,200 yards, seven touchdowns, averaging over 18 yards of reception. But if you look back at his numbers against the best teams he's played, he's been more limited. And when Clemson comes into this game with Nate Wiggins at cornerback, who hasn't always been great in his career, but I think is solid, I think there's a one-on-one opportunity there for Clemson to play some good coverage against a guy like Leggett, and I think the defense should be able to get after Rattler often enough to give them trouble offensively. So I really do like Clemson minus the points. Yeah, it feels like the proper pick here, and I think the vast, vast majority of people will be on that side as well. Yeah, I think we easily could see a ton of people on that side. So, Alan, as we go ahead and look at some more locks, where are you going for your first pick this week? Okay, I went against them last week, but this week I like the matchup. So we're going to another in-state matchup with Louisville and Kentucky. Louisville has been phenomenal at home, just trouncing opponents, pretty much everybody except for Virginia on a weird Thursday or Friday night. but. This week, they're playing a Kentucky team that is fairly limited outside of Ray Davis. There's been really one game, and that being the Tennessee game, where offensively they've been able to move the ball through the air. And I don't think that's going to be the case in this game. Louisville has grown from a a six-and-a-half-point favorite to a seven-point favorite, but I love the fact that it's a a six-and-a-half-point spread I think this probably ends up being more like a 10-point game. Even though it is a rivalry game, Louisville is going to be licking their chops playing Florida State the next week because Jordan Travis isn't going to be there. And they've got a lot to play for still, given how much football left to play with some major teams playing each other. You know, they're looking potentially at a really nice ball game. So, I'm locking up the Louisville Cardinals. Jawar Jordan, even though he's been a little injured and nicked up, not as explosive, not getting as many carries, I don't think it's going to matter just because they've got some depth there. Jack Plummer, as long as he just doesn't throw a ton of 
interceptions and is just efficient with the ball, then I think this team should be more like a double-digit favorite. So I'm locking up the Cardinals. I can't blame you for thinking so. And I cannot absolutely guarantee I'm going to be on the same side, but I feel pretty sure I'm going to be on Louisville minus six and a half. The thing is to me, I think the Kentucky Wildcats are talented enough and I think they have the roster makeup with a team and a program that has had the upper hand over Louisville consistently for a good number of years now. I think they have the roster situation that they could challenge Louisville and they could win this game on the road. But with the Kentucky Wildcats, we have seen them again and again and again and again most of the season, especially against the better teams on its schedule, shoot itself in the foot. That's been turnovers. That's been penalties, derailing drives. That's been boneheaded plays defensively, sometimes penalties as well that have extended opponents' drives. And I just don't know that we're going to see them break out of that slump against one of the more consistent teams they've played this season. I'm not going to say one of the better teams because I think Kentucky's played, you know, obviously with Alabama and Georgia – And I think a couple other teams maybe as well, more talented teams than what Louisville fields. But I do think with Louisville, you do have the opportunity that you have a lot on the table. It's a home game for them. You certainly have a team that's been more consistent than Kentucky. So if you get Kentucky's best version on the field come Saturday, I think Kentucky's probably going to cover this spread. And it might be tight and they might still lose or they might find a way to win. But I think it could be a very, very close game if Kentucky plays its A-plus game. It's just I haven't seen enough of that over the course of the season to believe that's going to happen this Saturday. So I will be with you on Louisville minus six and a half. Yeah, I agree. Kentucky roster-wise, they do absolutely have the talent when it's put together to even, like you said, outright win this game. We've just not seen it this year. Devin Leary has, I don't know if there's any way to put it other than, like, he's just been a disappointment based on some of the hype coming in from NC State. And last game of the year, don't hold anything back kind of deal. They may put it all together this week. But with Louisville being as good as they have been at home and consistently being able to run the ball against pretty much anybody, I feel pretty comfortable with this one. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I'll say this too, the Kentucky defense, which has been really, really solid for several years now, has been iffy here and there. They're still pretty good and they still have some talent and they still have their good moments where they have good quarters or a good series of drives back to back to back, but they do have lapses and that's been really problematic as well. So with Louisville, you already mentioned Jawar Jordan, Jamari Thrash at wide receiver. They've got some real talent, and I think they're going to pose some problems to a Kentucky team that does have lapses defensively. And you mentioned Devin Leary being a disappointment. It's also been the receivers who have talent, but they've been plagued by drops this season. It's just any number of ways that Kentucky could have gotten in its own way this season. They've done it time and time again, and I wouldn't expect anything different come this Saturday, apart from we did talk about this earlier this year where we talked about the Kentucky-Tennessee matchup. And I said, man, we haven't seen this Kentucky passing game really click. And then all of a sudden it did. So if they find that again, maybe Kentucky finds something on Saturday. But yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to take Louisville minus that six and a half when it's that low of a number. For sure. All right, Alan, for my second ATS lock of week 13, I am headed to another in-state battle for another rivalry matchup, this time headed to the state of North Carolina where we have the Wolfpack of NC State hosting the North Carolina Tar Heels, where UNC comes in as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. 
And man, we have a couple of teams kind of on different runs. The North Carolina Tar Heels have now lost three of their last five. Their most recent being the game at Clemson we just saw this past week, losing 31-20 to on the road. North Carolina State, on the other hand, has won four in a row, including wins against that same Clemson team and against Miami going back several weeks. But when you look at this NC State team, they've had some change up at quarterback. Brennan Armstrong has come back in after starting earlier this season. That's after MJ Morris made the decision to redshirt. They have a star young wide receiver in Kevin Concepcion, who is a freshman and has been very involved as the favorite target for this team, but they don't have much of a run game. And Brennan Armstrong has more rushing attempts than anybody else on the roster by a large, large margin. When you look at North Carolina, I've talked about their defense and how it's been a struggle, but they have Drake May at quarterback. They've got Devontae Walker at wide receiver, who's been a really big bonus once the NCAA gave him eligibility. And you've got Amarian Hampton, who's run for over 1,400 yards and was a big problem for the Clemson defense. So even though NC State is very, very good on the defensive side of the ball, I do have questions about their ability to be able to put up yards and points, even against a North Carolina defense that I've been recently very critical about going into this matchup. I think that North Carolina behind Drake May in this offense is going to find ways to score points. It's not going to be all the time. It's not going to be their best offensive output of the season, but I think offense will find a way to score going even against a good defense. And NC State's so limited offensively, I feel comfortable locking up North Carolina minus two and a half points when all I need is a field goal for a win. So, Alan, let's lock it up with the Tar Heels minus the two and a half with an offense that has put up good numbers against the best defenses it's played of late. And I've just got to have that done one more time. And the North Carolina defense just has to kind of hold serve against a reserved, not great NC State defense. I was leaning that way in this one. It's one that I can see reasons and talk myself into either way. But the explosiveness that's available from North Carolina is the reason that I'll ultimately, I think, side with the Tar Heels as well, simply because over the course of 60 minutes, it feels like that's going to end up mattering. And that Brennan Armstrong, who was benched because of poor play, we may end up seeing some more of that. And the only reason that they stopped playing MJ Morris is they wanted to keep the red shirt intact. So that's the reason they stopped playing him. I don't think it was because of performance necessarily, but you know, they've been able to win four in a row and have another pretty good year. So Kudos to them, but I think I'll be on the Tar Heels side as well. I'll go ahead and throw out there a little bonus. I mentioned earlier that if I got to pick the Clemson-North Carolina game again, I think I'd be on North Carolina plus 6.5 points, knowing what I know post that game. But we look back at what North Carolina has done the last couple of weeks against Duke. Granted, it was in double overtime, but they put up 537 yards on the Duke Blue Devils defense. And again, I think it's been the two best defenses they've faced in back-to-back weeks. Then at Clemson, they put up 457 yards, and that's with three turnovers and going two of five on fourth downs. So North Carolina really limited their opportunities to put up more yardage, more points against Clemson. And I think that while NC State could possibly be the best defense they've faced this season, I still think there's going to be opportunities for North Carolina to put up points on the board. And I think that's going to put a lot of pressure on NC State in this matchup. Yeah, I very much agree with that. 
All right, Alan, where are you going for your second ATS lock? Okay, let's go to the Big Ten in a freaking slugfest. Classic slugfest. It's a team that we picked last week when they went to Iowa, and they ended up covering by a point and a half, but they didn't end up ultimately winning that game. We're looking at Northwestern at the Illinois Fighting Illini, and Brett Bielema's team is looking and fighting for bowl eligibility. They're sitting at five and six Northwestern this past week, facing insurmountable odds, became bowl eligible at six and five, defeating Purdue. Currently, Northwestern, almost surprisingly, in my opinion, is a five and a half point road dog in this one. Now, at this point, John Paddock has taken over for the Illini at quarterback, replacing an injured and now maybe just replaced Luke Altmeyer, who was a transfer from Ole Miss, who was just okay. John Paddock has been pretty efficient with the football with six touchdowns to only one interception, but it wasn't good enough to beat Iowa on the road. And with this being, in my opinion, a pretty doggone large spread for a Northwestern team that does not give up many points. In their past three games, they've allowed 15, 10, and 10. I think this is going to be a slugfest. It's going to be tight. It's going to be a field goal game. I'm locking up the Northwestern Wildcats on the road to cover that five-and-a-half-point spread. To me, this is a much, much closer game than the point spread would tell you. Porter at running back has been really efficient and ran the ball really well last week for, I think, over 90 yards. If they're able to establish the run at all, I feel pretty good about Northwestern being able to cover this one on the road. So I'm going to lock them up. I have gone back and forth with this spread. And I'll tell you, as of right now on Tuesday night, I am leaning towards Illinois minus five and a half. But it's been with some angst that I've thought about it. And it's been more with what we've seen out of John Paddock, at quarterback for the Illini, and what he's done in the last couple of weeks. It's also been with the Northwestern team that while they have not given up big point totals in recent weeks, I go back to the game, their win against Purdue, where they gave up nearly 450 yards to the Boilermakers. And that's a Purdue team that hasn't really been all that great You know, they're better certainly offensively than they are defensively, but I do think that we have seen Northwestern kind of max out what they've done, and they've found some ways to win. I'll give them a ton of credit. I think it's remarkable that they are bowl eligible at this point, but you go back and look at some of their performances, and not only did they give up the big yardage total to Purdue, they were outgained by Wisconsin while winning that game by two touchdowns. I think there have been some things that have kind of flowed their way in these matchups that have allowed them to look like the superior team with those point totals, but I'm a little bit concerned about what the quality of the team is as a whole. I think Illinois is pretty good at this point for what they are. John Paddock, I think, has brought some life to that offense. I think that Jerzon Newton, their big defensive tackle, is an absolute stud who is going to go high in the NFL draft. He might give the opportunity that Illinois is able to plug up some of those holes along the line of scrimmage and slow down the run game. If that's the case, I kind of like Illinois in this matchup, but I'm going to dig into this one more before I side completely one way or the other. But on Tuesday night, I do lean a little bit towards Illinois. It's just if Northwestern finds 
some offense against an Illinois defense that hasn't been great, then you're probably looking at a pretty easy cover there as long as they don't allow a big explosive offensive output from Paddock and company. Right. As long as something fluky doesn't happen, I think, you know, they've been able to turn people over. It reminds me they're kind of like baby Iowa in some way in that they've just found ways to turn people over and keep it close. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that Illinois loses this game, but I think it's going to end up being like 21-17. There's a lot of ways that I see Northwestern being able to cover this one. Yeah, I think that makes some sense, and I understand the thought process. I just do have the concern when I look at these matchups and the fact that they've won three of their four, and that looks and sounds great. But when you look at the three games they won, they were outgained in all three of them against Maryland, Wisconsin, and Purdue. So I don't know if I can quite get there with taking Northwestern plus the points, but I won't blame anybody for doing it because they are on a good run and they're playing some of their best football of the season. So it'll certainly be fun to see where all those picks land. And it's one that I do feel like could go either way. And it's why I'm not totally certain I'll be on Illinois. But as of right now, I do lean that direction. That's fair. All right, Alan, if you are ready to close things up, let's go ahead and mention a couple of things before we get off to a confidence pick pod. Let's do it, my man. All right. Something new that we have to talk about is on Patreon. We've been talking about this for a long time. You can jump on and be a supporter of the show financially, and you can get your hands on extra content that we produce. But Patreon, as of maybe a couple of months ago at most, within the last month or two, they've opened up a new way for people to get involved on a Patreon account. That is because you can now become a member of our Patreon for free. And there's not a ton of content that we're going to produce for free, but there will be some. So the encouragement that I have for you is if you are a regular listener of this podcast, go ahead and go down into the show notes, find the link for our Patreon, click over there, and just subscribe to our Patreon. You can do it for free at the starter level. You can get access to any posts we put out for free, and it'll give you the opportunity to receive some stuff coming up very, very soon. So do that. I think all you have to do is put in your name and maybe your email address, and that's about it. And then you'll get notified when we put up updates on Patreon. The reason we are telling you to do this is because last week I mentioned that there are a lot of things going on in the background of the show that have not been talked about. One of them, for certain, is that my wife, Kristen, and I are expecting a baby, and that baby is coming very, very soon. We are sitting here... T minus less than three weeks until arrival date. And Alan, because of that, we're sitting here looking at a very uncertain future. We don't know exactly what things look like day to day, hour to hour, week to week. So we are going to try and produce content as we normally do. But if you are listening to this and you regularly tune into the show, be sure to jump on over there to our Patreon and subscribe for free because it could be that maybe the baby comes very, very soon. And if that were to happen, then Alan and I may have to scrap recording for a week and maybe we drop our picks over on Patreon in a written post for free where you still have to go attain them like you do listening to the podcast every week, but it gives you the opportunity to find our stuff. And we will be doing this probably at least for 
a chunk of bowl season. We're going to be giving away some of our content in a written form over on Patreon. Some of that will be free, kind of the content you find here on the podcast on a weekly basis, but some will be excluded for our team members as well. So go ahead and jump on over there. We want to see this game continue to grow. And Alan, a big part of that and changes for the future, both in life and on the show, comes with that Patreon account, both free and paid members, all accepted and widely encouraged to do so. Absolutely. Which I'm so excited for you guys. <laughs> That's going to be a great, 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 great thing. So to do that and go over and hop on Patreon, I think is a really good way to stay in tune with what's happening and still getting great content along the way. Love it. And thank you, Alan. It is going to be certainly an exciting future. It's baby number one for me and Kristen, as you know, and it's going to be a lot of life change. Man, we told some family here in the last week that we got down to the last day they were visiting in town and we said, yep, we're down to three weeks. And it kind of hit both of us at the time that we went, wow, that's really close. And I think we got a little bit more to the nerves end of the baby's arrival. So (laughs) we're feeling it a little (laughs) bit now. Uh, It's been close for a while, but this is the first time within three weeks now that we really have started to feel like it is right on top of us. So definitely a lot to look forward to there. But if you would like to continue seeing what we put out on a regular basis, of course, we're going to try to get the podcasts out here over the next few weeks. But if we can't, we're going to find ways to still get the content out. And that means you need to be a partner with us over on Patreon, even if that's just joining at the free level. That'll give you the opportunity to see the stuff that we put out for free. And you're probably going to see one to two, maybe three posts over there, depending on what the next coming weeks look like. So we have that as an opportunity, of course. If you would like to jump on and pay on Patreon, you have the opportunity to do that as well. At the walk-on tier, you can listen to the Confidence Pick'em Pod that Alan and I are about to record. You're going to get your hands, your ears on that every single week as long as we record that for only $2.50. And like I said, even if Alan and I can't record on a weekly basis coming up very soon, because of outside circumstances, we will find a way to even just post that stuff on Patreon and exclude it for those people who are paid subscribers. So you're still going to get all your content as you normally do. It may just be in a modified form. And if you want to join at the team captain level, that's $5 a month for your subscription over on Patreon, then you get our ATS locks and our confidence value picks emailed to you on a weekly basis. That includes Zane Chapelier's picks as well. You get to hear from him and another perspective here on the blackout and everything that we provide for you. So Alan, I'm looking forward to seeing how many more people we can get roped in on this, but definitely even that free level over on Patreon is going to be another step of progress for what we're building here and what I think can be a very special project one day. Yes, sir. All right, Alan, thank you for your time. Looking forward to recording a Confidence Pick'em Pod with you. Can't wait to hear what you have for us over there on that episode, sir. Me too, man. I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here.